Welcome to 10X Growth Strategies podcast. This is your host, Preeti Padmanabhan, technology executive, investor, and board member. Today, we will feature the book, Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath. Our guest today is Alina Fu, VP of Product Marketing at G2. Alina has 15 plus years of data-driven marketing experience for multi-billion dollar businesses. Welcome, Alina, to 10X Growth Podcast. Thanks, Preeti, for having me. Fantastic. When you mentioned about the book Made to Stick to me, I was really intrigued on what does it really mean? And after reading it, I found that it was so relevant for the messaging work that we both do in our line of work. Uh, So before we get into the meat of the book, Tell us about your career journey and key inflection points. Absolutely. So I am a Bay Area native where my dad was an entrepreneur. So I was exposed very early on and excelled in STEM. So I really enjoyed math and science and kind of thinking about technology. As an undergrad, I majored in electrical engineering and computer science, but I realized that I did not like coding in a lab all the time. I'm a very extroverted person, and I like talking to people and understanding more about them. So I actually took a semester off from university. I felt very burnt out, and I applied for an internship at Intel. And this was for their cellular handheld group. The role was called technical marketing engineer, and I loved it. I loved talking to customers. I love attending all the trade shows. I love giving the product demos. And so when Microsoft called me about an engineering role as I was graduating, I actually asked them, could I interview for marketing instead? That actually started me down the path as a product manager. And then I eventually transitioned into PMM. So when I started my career, I actually didn't know anything about the product I was in charge of, which was Web 2.0 capabilities for SharePoint. However, I understood the concept of Web 2.0, and I feel like that's why they selected me to be the spokesperson for it. I got to sponsor a lot of key accounts from Fortune 100 companies like State Farm, Accenture, News Corp, Goldman. And I think having all that engagement with CIOs and IT directors, they thought it was very endearing to have this little petite person tell them about how Web 2.0 is going to change their work style and accelerate collaboration within their companies. The great news is everyone was actually very supportive. They gave me a lot of context so I could learn the business and the industry that we were in. And they mentored me and helped me become a really great marketer. The best feedback that I took to heart that really motivated me to continue is you a sales rep actually said to me, you're not taking any notes, but I see you apply all of the insights that the customers are saying into building the new narrative and the product roadmap. And I thought that was a really great compliment. So what I did was I looked for other opportunities within Microsoft that I could learn more from. And that is where I fell into the SaaS space. So in 2010, I had a manager who was a bit I would say very pushy, essentially, but really encouraged me to learn about the space, this new licensing model that Microsoft was actually not very dominant in. This was before Office 365 was called that and before it's the multi-million dollar brand that it is today. So 
in that role, that's where I learned how to be scrappy because we were essentially the underdog within the company. We had to build everything from scratch for sales enablement and partner readiness. We launched the first digital marketing strategy for Office 365, the first time I ever authored blog posts, looked at SEO, and managed an editorial calendar. So all of that really helped me understand in my first role as a product manager, I was so focused on product and roadmap innovation. But in my second role as Office 365 product marketing manager, I was leading the go-to-market strategy and what I would consider foundational marketing elements. That led me eventually to my career at Google. At Google, I started out as a product marketing manager, but I quickly realized I missed the customer interaction. I didn't get to talk to customers as often as I did when I was at Microsoft. And so we actually created a new role called Customer Insights in Google Cloud. This is where I was able to conduct interviews with customers, use data-driven marketing to really help our VP and directors make strategic decisions. That was also where I became even more customer centric, really putting myself in the place and shoes of the customer. Where are they coming from? What can our solution set provide them? And then how do you bridge that gap? And then that led me to my role today as the VP of product marketing at G2. My team currently serves several facets of marketing because as you know, in smaller companies, you wear multiple hats. So our team does things around growth and retention. We lead the digital marketing and content strategy for anything related to product launches. And then I also manage the customer marketing and partner marketing function. And we just put all of that under the umbrella of product marketing. In addition to that, we have a multi-product portfolio and we're, and we're looking at campaigns for cross-selling. But at the end of the day, my role is to provide the vision and the marketing strategy for a team of creative thinkers and problem solvers in the tech space. We're a product-led company where we have multiple channels and customer segments, and we're really trying to drive the impact on revenue and growth. Wonderful. Uh, when I first met you, Alina, I could see that energy, that bundle of energy, and you were a connector. I could see right away that you went and met with almost everybody around the room. Uh, and I was like, wow, I need to talk to her. She is amazing. So I'm glad we got a chance to meet over dinner. And thank you for sharing your extensive journey there. Uh, let's get to the book. Why did you choose to read the book Made to Stick? So I chose the book Made to Stick because I had never had a formal marketing education, meaning I never took a course in undergrad before I started my career in marketing. I was relying on my instincts and using data to help me create plans and frameworks and strategy. I was managing multi- million dollar budgets, but I knew that I would hit a ceiling soon, meaning I need something to help propel me and kind of justify why would we make the strategic decision. So I wanted to consult some experts, some research to better myself. This led me to Made to Stack because at the core essence, it's how does marketing come up with the right ideas and strategies and plans to make sure their audience is going to grow with you as your business expands. Nice. Uh, I really enjoyed reading the book. So thanks for that recommendation. What were your top takeaways from the book? So I thought the book did a really great job in terms of using their own framework format 
into how they showcase all of their ideas. So first, one of my top takeaways was not every idea is going to stick and you don't need to come up with all the sticky ideas. Sometimes you can spot them in the wild and that is just as critical because you have an eye for knowing what would be a sticky idea. The second takeaway I had is use simulation, which means knowledge about how to act and inspiration, which is the motivation to act in your storytelling. So when your audience reads the story, they can visualize it. I'm a very visual learner. It's actually easier for me to retain things and uh, regurgitate things if I have seen it before written down somewhere. And then the third takeaway is to make an idea stick. How can it be useful and lasting? And how can it make the audience pay attention retain it, agree or believe in it, care about it enough to act on it. Great, great points there. I, I really thought the book had a, a very good framework uh, that they built and we'll get more into that. But before in the introduction part of the book, I came across this term, which is very intriguing, called the curse of knowledge. How is it even possible for knowledge to be a curse? Tell us more about that. I love the way that the book really emphasized the curse of knowledge by using capital letters for the whole phrase. So the curse of knowledge is referencing a psychology experiment where one group has additional data or knowledge that another group does not. Because alluding to the concept of once you learn something, you can't unlearn it. It's like once you know how to ride a bike, you can't not know how to ride a bike anymore. So I think this applies to everyday skills, such as how do you adjust the water temperature so that you don't burn yourself, and in business settings where you can have seasoned sales reps who know immediately what to follow up or ask as a deep dive with their prospects just based on their prior experiences. It's hard to teach if you get asked this, you should respond with why. So the curse of knowledge refers to the difficulty in relating to others because we can't go back to that audience state of mind, which is probably less knowledgeable around this topic. So meaning the curse is a good reminder that we should apply the six point framework from made to stick into how we showcase our ideas and how we tell our stories. Meaning we can't assume the audience is coming to the problem with the same baseline context that we have or using the same use cases that we think is, you know, common sense or very obvious. So what I've seen is the greater a subject matter expert is in that area, meaning the more experience, the more years they've been in that industry or in that segment or around that product, they actually lose sight of what are the basic foundational knowledge that we need to impart before we even propose a solution. So that's what the concept of the curse of knowledge is about. Yeah, that is so true, right? Oftentimes, when we go and talk to somebody in a business context, uh, or even any other setting, uh, if we have a certain knowledge, we might assume that the other person already knows about it. And uh, then our communication breaks down. Uh, so great points there. And you mentioned the six point framework. Uh, so that is very interesting. I'd love for you to elaborate on that, right? The authors talk about the six point for success. That's what they call the framework. 
as the guiding principle to make ideas stick. Tell us more about the framework and what did you find as the most impact impactful from the frameworks? I really liked how the authors use a acronym SUCCESS to really emphasize and make the six principles stick with you. The first principle is simple. The essential core of our ideas that is simple and profound. I like the line where they wrote, coming up with a short, compact phrase is easy, but coming up with a profound, compact phrase is incredibly difficult because that is so true. How can you make it profound and compact at the same time? The second principle is the unexpected. How do you engage people's curiosity and generate the interest to get your idea across? The book talks about how can we break barriers on people's expectations, doing something that is counterintuitive or unconventional. The third piece is concrete, presenting a clear idea to make sure that everyone is on the same page. If not, swirl tends to happen. The fourth principle is around being credible. What are the proof points to make people believe in the idea? They call this the try before you buy philosophy. And in some cases, this means using hard quantifiable stats. And then the fifth principle is around the emotional piece. How do you get people to care and feel something about your idea? And then the last one is the story. How can the story influence people to act and give us a rehearsal opportunity to respond differently or to respond better if we were placed in a similar situation? The three that I found the most impactful from these frameworks, from this framework, were simple, concrete, and the story. So my professional experience has really shaped why simple is so important to me. At Google, they use this term called TLDR. It stands for too long, don't read. You see this in all of the memos and emails that get written about any project plan. It's the first sentence that you see, TLDR. This is a one to two sentence summary of the entire project plan, and it encapsulates the essence of the goal and the desired end state. In the book, they reference psychology research, which shows that people can have decision paralysis when they have uncertainty, even if the uncertainty is irrelevant because the outcome will be the same. Or people cannot choose between two good options because they have anxiety around this. We all know this behavior isn't rational, but it does happen all the time. However, if the core message is simple, it reminds people what is important, it alleviates the anxiety and presents a straightforward idea so that people can gravitate around that. The second principle that I found very impactful was concrete. I find concrete become increasingly important as you get more senior or you have more meetings with C-level or VP-level personnel. The reason is because each leader has different goals and metrics that they're tracking towards, even though they have shared company priorities, and they will execute differently with the same directive. 
I'm sure a lot of us can relate where you leave a meeting where one sentence was stated as the directive, but people left with a different set of expectations on what was the ask, what they're contributing to it, and what is the desired end state. And so at G2, we use this concept of clean agreements. This helps us make sure we are all taking away the same directive in the same with the same meaning that it was meant to be. And then the last principle that I found impactful is, of course, story. Story is the one that brings it home. So customer stories are ways to share, empathize, and learn from others. Personal stories can be passed down from generations within cultures and have a deeper lesson beyond just pure entertainment. Stories overall helps us see our common threads, visualize in our heads, and help us anticipate how may we react based on the circumstances. Great summary. Great summary there, Alina. Uh, in fact, uh, after learning about this success six-point framework, whenever I saw, see an ad now, I can only think of, okay, is this simple? Is this unexpected? And so on and so forth. Uh, so it's been an interesting journey to uh, evaluate uh, the ads with this framework. And I'm sure this uh, framework is going to be very valuable for any company to look at their message and, and see whether it is going to be punchy and need to stick. You ended the last point with story as one of your impactful frameworks. And I've heard this from several other successful marketers that their core strength was storytelling. How do stories help break the curse of knowledge and make ideas stick? Stories are absolutely critical to be a successful marketer and marketing organization. I think that everyone in marketing is there to tell a story together and the different departments within marketing support each other. In product marketing, especially, what we love to do is tell a great story. We do this through our digital media, through our product messaging, customer testimonials, our product launch campaigns, and any creative and illustrative content. The best way to break the curse of knowledge and make ideas stick is start from the beginning. Put yourself in your target audience or ICP shoes. What are their wants and needs? Why are they talking to you? How do they get here? Then what can your company or your product solve for their pain points and challenges? What are some scenarios or ways that we can make their lives easier for them? Is it to be more convenient? Is it to save them time? Is it to help them accelerate their business? And then most importantly, ask the customers. Ask them what they like or dislike about your product. Ask the sales team, what are the most common objections they receive from prospects? Ask the customer success team, what, when, where, wh how your products frustrates existing customers. Ask user experience where they're seeing data and engagement on where the customer experience or UI is not ideal. Then collaborate with the product org to understand the roadmap. What's coming down the pipeline and what are we solving there? What are those functional and emotional benefits? 
and then create that story with a clear value proposition, highlighting how and when it will be used, and then what can the customer achieve from it. I think that is the whole gist of the story, which is the challenge, the solution, and then the result. What do you get at the end of the day? So then applying the success framework, you will help make those ideas stick. Super. I love that. And, uh, you know, we talked a lot about some of the frameworks and how it benefits marketers. Have you applied any of the frameworks and learnings in your journey? I find that it's always helpful to use frameworks to guide you because it helps you organize your thoughts and it helps you transform like kind of like a vague, intangible thing into something actionable. Sometimes, though, you do need to break the pattern and do something unexpected. So when I use the framework, it is to give me an outline of what my plan is. However, we don't use the framework as this is the way the ideas come to life. We use it as a guiding post and we add the color around it. Very much like a child coloring book or something like that. I also know that because humans are adaptable, doing more of the same can make our prospects and customers tune things out. Meaning if we have a recipe for success, we've used this framework, we have a sticky idea, but let's just do it again and again, repeatedly, it's not going to have that fresh stickiness that it had the first time we landed it. So that's why I actually like to hire for fresh perspectives, from marketers who either are not familiar with the environment that we're in or have less of that specific job function experience. Because I find that that's where some of the best sticky ideas can come from. It's this fresh perspective, this untapped well, and it doesn't have that curse of knowledge to really bias and hinder you. Thank you for that. Uh, any final words? of advice or thoughts that you would like to leave with the audience? Be bold, push outside of your comfort zone and be okay with ambiguity. Great, great inputs, especially like you, as you know, in startups, it becomes very important to be bold and be, be comfortable with ambiguity. Uh, so audience, uh, it has been a great session today talking about the book Made to Stick. Do check out the book. There are a lot of examples in the book that makes it very sticky. I can really relate to all the examples that were given. Alina, it was wonderful to have this conversation with you and thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for having me.